0: You're listening to the Digital Void Podcast, where we explore digital culture, media, technology, and memes, featuring critical and empowering conversations with experts at the forefront of our digital moment. My name is Josh Chaplin, and my co-host is Dr. Jamie Cohen. What will the future of social media look like? (laughs) It's a question we've discussed at length during recent episodes. From the launch of threads and a number of Twitter alternatives to the evolving TikTok ecosystem. But what will our social media future look like if we elect to focus more on the social features people organically use and less on the frameworks and ideals of previous platforms? Today, we welcome back friend of the show, director of Curiouser Institute and AI games designer, Reed. Berkowitz. Reed has more than two decades designing, writing, and researching award-winning interactive experiences, and now he's focused on the future of connection in a digital age. In this conversation, Jamie Reed and I dive into Reed's new Medium article, Everything About Social Media Is About To Change Again. Reid outlines five key features he thinks will inform our new social media environment and why people want to be social and vibe more than they want to be mediated and vulnerable to algorithms and extractive platforms. Before we begin, it's my pleasure to announce Digital Void will present a special Team Human Live on Saturday, October 28th at Caveat in New York City. Join author of Survival of the Richest, Douglas Rushkoff, in conversation with award-winning author of Modern Occultism and historian Mitch Horowitz. We'll be giving away copies of Rushkoff and Horowitz's book, which you'll have the opportunity to get signed while you listen to the tunes of electronic musician Stephen Brent. Only the first 60 people who arrive to the venue will get books. You can find a link to join us in the show notes. This podcast is made possible through your sharing and support. If you enjoy the show, please make sure to share it on social media, follow us on your favorite podcast platform, and leave a review. Now, here's this week's conversation with Director of Curiouser Institute, Reed Berkowitz. Reed, thank you for joining us once again today on the Digital Void podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'm really looking forward to talking about social media with you. Our previous conversations ranged from the parallels of QAnon and ARG game design to how to speak to AI. But today we're going to dive into the evolving social media landscape. And to start, I wanted to ask, how do you view the current efforts of mainstream social media platforms? And why do you believe recent attempts to evolve these platforms have been unsuccessful?
1: I think the current state of social media is awful. Honestly, I think everybody kind of feels that way deep down inside. It's just become an unpleasant experience all around. And partly, it it feels as if, you know, we've hit a wall. The social media landscape right now is based around media, not socializing. It's the media that we're sharing. And these are low effort posts that now have been taken over by propagandists and advertisers and AI. It's just very easy to copy, replicate, and fool people, the algorithms, you know, are easy to nudge. It just feels right now that we're not getting real social interaction, we're still lonely, and that the well is somewhat poisoned. Um, And I don't really know that there's a way to undo it. Yeah, it reminds me of
0: Cory Doctorow's face. He calls... The effort of all platforms to try to imitate each feature in shittification because each platform progressively gets shittier as they try to become these all in one platforms. But you wrote a really great piece, Everything About Social Media is About to Change Again, which is available on Medium, where you provide five features of future social media experiences and platforms. And I wanted to look at what I view as the on and shitification of your process. So, <laughs> read. maybe we start with your first feature, which is persistent and always-on. Can you unpack what you're thinking as your first
1: core feature? Yeah, so I think one of the things that humans like to do is hang out with each other. I mean, this is just a very old behavior that we have whether it's teenagers hanging out in a room together or modern coding practices where where people pair program together, whether it's going to, to a cafe and and just hanging out with people, right? I I've noticed that um people I see around me are starting to have these communications that are always on. You know, people will will FaceTime with each other as they sleep all night, and then wake up with each other. You can hear to the breathing. It's a very intimate thing, but it's starting. And one of the things that I noticed that really clued me into this was that there's this app Live360. It's put on kids' phones by their parents to keep tracks of them all the time right so it's always on it's always feeding information to them you can gate them you can see where they go where they come out but the kids started using it themselves so they started creating friend groups and hooking up their partners in in these circles that mixes with stuff from the gaming field so like like twitch streaming and people just hanging out all the time, having something on, I, I just feel like if there's anything that is going to connect us together, it's going to have to be something where we are, where it's persistent, where it's like a house or some type of environment where people can come to you. It's not necessarily they're going to be on all the time or broadcasting all the time, but it's going to be on whatever this space is, is going to be feel sort of permanent, always there, like a like a house or a room that people can come into. So, it,
2: it, you know, it's funny you said you mentioned this, because it really feels like your imagination here of the next, step is a is an advancement on creative misuse of a lot of these apps. Snapchat, their circles, was like a big part of this, but the way you frame this is pretty important, which is it was more about media than it was about social. Snapchat is about sharing, and that sharing of content is good, but it's a connective value. It's not as persistent as you would say. Like it's it's a it's not a stream. And the creative misuse here. I I um I have a life 360 on my phone and my wife and I use it just to track where we each other are. I have I have a bit of an ambivalent feeling towards it or a little bit of a questionable thing because I know that It's ownership is a little weird, but I do see how it can be misused creatively by young people who have taken the idea of Snapchat circles and added that to this new thing. So it is interesting that we're playing with these types of things and i think that that's where you're what you noted about social media is important is that it's darth feeling right now the feeling of it not working is because we are limited to its apps you know we are limited to its structure so it is interesting to see that the socialness is really i think one of those very positive approaches to what could come next
1: i mean i guess at the heart of all this is that we're still really lonely and social media doesn't help that. Right? You, you you think it does, but it doesn't. And and we're interacting with each other's propaganda, really, our sales pitches, or you know, whatever we're presenting our life as, because we can't have a deep social interaction when we have to have it in public. You know, on my Twitter feed and Facebook feed, I've got employers, future employers, past employers, every relative, you know, every friend, every acquaintance I have met at some conference. I can't pour my heart out and to have a real human social interaction. In public, nobody can anymore. That's open to manipulation.
2: Years ago, there was this period of time where it was really tough for people to go to like class reunions because it was like, oh, I saw it on Facebook. It was that constant statement, oh, I saw it on Facebook. And it was like, real life became redundant to Facebook. And now we're well past that, where people aren't using the apps for this type of social networking. Like they're not really sharing that data. So when people meet me now, they have no idea what I've been up to. <laughs> so it is interesting that, like, I do, I, I crave. Community, and there is just no place that really uh, works. Is the best way to put it,
1: there's no place that works. And I remember, during, you know, I first became aware of this. I got into this whole social media thing because I, you know, I'm a, I'm a game designer. And in and in COVID, you know, I was talking to some of my friends, and they all noticed the same thing. I wrote a little bit about it earlier back then, but all their kids were playing games with each other, but they weren't playing the games. All the characters were just in idle mode, and they were just chatting and talking and communicating, right? So they were in the games, and that kind of brings. the next thing about the passiveness of it they're in the games but they're using the game space to communicate and talk and chat and i i find that on everything i mean i think that's why discord blew up as well because it's passive gaming but it's more socializing right like right now kids will pass out their roblox id to each other as a way of like social connection because you know what's the social network for kids under 13 right and yeah none of these games are meant for socializing right so you're you're always trying to get around it i mean we you don't want to stand around in medieval garb and like slightly swaying chatting with each other you'd rather have some more interesting thing but there just isn't one you can you can snap each other or you can you know hop on facetime but basically there's something weird going on where it's like a kind of metaversy feeling, a gaming atmosphere feeling where people just want to hang out with each other as much, whatever that entails, whatever that means. And people are trying to do it in such disparate ways. And yet it hasn't quite clicked that there's this new social dynamic that can happen. And it's hard to talk about because it comes from so many different references, even Twitch streamers, right? You know, you're there, but, but you're hanging out with each other, right? In some ways, the stream is more important than the Twitch player is, (laughs) Because and I and I and I was like, is that true? And then like Lo Fi Girl came out and it's thirteen million people all hanging out and there's no person there right there's still in a live chat but the, the celebrity is gone right now now we're all just hanging out and it's just not meant for that like youtube chat is not a great uh, medium to like get together and hang out with you we just want something that's always on and then all but also it can be kind of passive like you know you're not playing the game you're not always socializing again it's like that teenager's bedroom where you know people can do their own things we're just hanging out together right you know someone's reading the magazine or online I assume, but uh, you know, someone's watching a video, someone's on on the phone chatting with her. So, and and if something interesting happens, everybody starts kind of paying attention, right? But this idea of all being together in a space, you know, is important now. And. I don't know why, but I, I I really think that's that has lots of levels, right? You don't always have to be like right in your face. But there's this new th- thing. I'm sure you guys know more about it than I do. But, you know, where VTubers are using avatars and, and um, all types of things where even, I mean, it used to just be like, hey, look, I'm an anime girl, follow me. And it was like a novelty. But now even people doing technical blogs are like masking themselves with these animated uh, avatars. And yet they emote. They're they're tracking your face. It's a new type of interaction that is less uh, risky. You know you don't have to put yourself out there you know there's not as many face reveals as there used to be right people are comfortable just staying behind that and hanging out and you could be super public and not be public at the same time and just decide who you want to let in and i just kind of grew from all these disparate elements there's this type of interaction that we can have that's real humans talking to each other interacting in a safe way and it also connects to the metaverse i don't think it's dead i think it hasn't even begun yet is the problem you know but you you can, you can have a virtual space, you can have a 2D space, you can access it from anywhere and you can still emote and chat and talk and be safe and private at the same time. You can lower your level of risk or increase it to the people that you really want to hang out with. So, you know, just like going back to having a house or a dorm room or whatever, where people can come over and knock on the door and be like, hey, we're going to go play World of Warcraft. You're interested, like, ah, no, you know, I got all this work to do, blah, blah, blah. Or you just hang out, a coffee shop sort of style. You know, we don't, I think all these are just hard to talk about because they're so spread out, but you can kind of see the merging together. Like we want human interaction. We don't just want to like post stuff and have people like, and share right that's just not enough
0: and do you actually provide an example of this because you highlight twitch streamer x humming who copies the lo-fi beats aesthetic in the live stream on twitch and that's really interesting because it's copying a popular genre production aesthetic that is so closely associated with coziness and customizable and being live and present in sharing space, even if it's digitally. And I, I really like that you highlight Cozy Core in this. I, I feel like that type of lo fi beats, ex humming, lo fi aesthetic informs Cozy Core and that interactivity in general, where you highlight games like Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley and other games like unpacking.
1: Yeah. People think the, inner, you know, the, I, I guess because of Neil Stevenson, you know, people think that the uh, metaverse is going to be edgy and you know full of hackers and stuff. like that. I, I, I hope it is, you know, but really, if we're going to, if it's going to be popular and normies are going to be in there, then it's probably not going to be really, <laughs> right. You know, it's going to be cozy. It's going to be, it's going to, you're going to live there. If you're going to, if it's going to be always on, if it's going to be persistent, then you want it to look, you know, the way you like it. When I say cozy, I don't mean cute. You can make it whatever is cozy for you, right? If you want to live in a dungeon in a castle, that's fine, you know. But you you need to you need to be able to customize it, whatever. Funny story. So I I told um you know X humming that I used her image, and it turns out she's she's not just you know she's like a CEO of canny or something like that, and she's like a very prominent person in, you know, in the startup world. This is just the way that she hangs out with people and communicates with them, and also she uh she dressed up as Lo-Fi girl for Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> send send me a photo off to see if I could post that on the thing. But uh, so this isn't just like, you know, like like so- someone looking for attention or something. This this is her like I, I, I feel I can't speak for her, but it's like a business model. You know what I mean? I, I think she just likes you know, she just likes it. And, and it's part of her au revoir. But that was great to see. And um, I, she's even got a, a camera that shows her dog in, in the background. It's it's super cute. I mean, the,
0: the thing that immediately comes to mind is as we looked at your first two features, persistence always-on and cozy customizable. Between Life 360 and this interactive live stream always-on presence, I think it's interesting to see a generation or at least some of a generation not particularly be phased or at least not super critical of surveillance and the platforms that own these and what type of data is being collected. And I think that informs my question about your third feature, which is passive, right? Because passive in the specific case study that you're looking at does not necessarily mean doing nothing. It means doing nothing and making it gamify. So you highlight Pokemon Sleep, which has become very popular, and I think... I would love for you to dive into how passive social media is going to become more popular in the future. What's happened with Pokemon Sleep and how people are responding to this type of social media?
1: Yeah, I guess if I follow along the premise that I think that we'll have some type of always on home somewhere, right? Then it kind of has to be comfortable. It has to be persistent. But if, it, if it's always on, it has to be somewhat passive as well. Right now, it's like you have to think of something funny to say and then open up your browser and go to Twitter and then post it. And that's your social interaction, right? But if you have this always on space, then it's gonna be gathering a lot of information that you can decide to share with people, even when you're not necessarily doing anything. And that could be really as passive as like it could show where you are, it could show, you know, like Life360, right? It's got, it shows where you are, it, sh- it shows your, um the battery strength on your phone, so people know if you're about to go offline. Um, but I think that this, idea of Pa- I mean, people will, sh- I think they'll show what they're eating. I think they'll show you know, whatever they're comfortable with, right? But it'll be generating this large amount of information. And, I, and that connects with like the co-working too, where like you could be working, like X humming on your screen and you could be showing your screen what you're working on, right? Um, I know people are in discords creating in public. It's fun to just stop in with the developer and be like, oh, how'd you do that? Oh, you can try blah, blah, blah. And so the passiveness in my mind is not that you're you're not doing anything. It's that you're sharing what you're already doing and you can decide what that is maybe based on who it is or how you've gated people you are you are generating a lot of information how you sleep how you eat what you're working on and so the passiveness can be very intrusive and very much like hey like come in and look at my life all the time or it can be much more like when i say like okay i'm gonna do like a two-hour focus uh session and i'm gonna let everybody See me coding, and then I'm done. Like the passiveness to me is like going to a cafe or something like that, right? It's social, but not very social, right? But it, but it's undeniable that we go to these places to be together in a passive way. It's passively social. Yeah,
2: yeah This th- I think this this actually relates to the biometrics that wearables give. My Apple Watch, and on the on it is my little circles, you know. And then when I hit that, it shows me all my friends. Like I have a whole group of people that show me their data, and so all day long I. Get to see their data and I get notifications when they've completed a run or they've done something interesting. And then occasionally, not always, it does gamify. It says, would you like to compete? Like we did the same exercise in the day and I never hit yes because I'll I'll lose. But the idea then is that we've already started the idea without thinking the way you're thinking in this imaginary space of this next thing. But we've already started planning for a space where we're sharing our biometrics or our data for a gamified reason. But we're not making the connection, I think, that you're making here, which is that social media itself can inhabit that like that could be a space where it's not just our data, but also our messages and our time. I like what you put like, I enjoy working with somebody like across from them. And we're both typing at the same time, we may not be working on the same project, but it feels more productive to me so it almost feels like if that's a, a, a space that's both IRL and digital at the same time it just feels like it's a bigger container has to be built for that type of experience but I think we're already there in parts you know so I think there is like these things of that yeah exactly
1: right <laughs> it, it's totally coming together it's like you know like a like when you're on PlayStation you know you, bloop you see someone turned on their PlayStation they just turned it on and it's notifying you and the, and then it says oh but they're not playing your game they're playing fortnite right right it's like why do you need to know that and yet my son gets real excited <laughs> <You
2: know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure a lot everybody does
1: like i'll throw themselves on like oh yeah you know it's like because they you know because because he's a social person i'm like <laughs> I'm mis- and
2: what do you, okay so to, to lean into that like to lean off of what josh said earlier about privacy concerns about again about a decade ago or maybe about 2015 jason pargin from cracked did a whole thing about how we used to live in a world where we were willing to nuke each other to not be in the space of like where russia was you know like we were willing to end the world just so we wouldn't end up in like the big brother. And now we're at the space where it's like, that's just not a concern. So how do we get past the curmudgeonly thoughts of some people who might think of this as negative, where a lot of people might reframe this in a positive manner of being like, yeah, privacy, surveillance capitalism is built into the system, but young people are enjoying it and doing positive things. Like, is how do we get past that? What's our next way before we move to the next points? Like, how how does that get there?
1: Yeah, that's a really good problem. I I think it's happened <laughs> <laughs> I think like that's the problem. I think it's just cut up. Your phone knows about you. It knows about you. It knows where you go. It knows what you're surfing. It knows everything about you. The only thing that doesn't know about you are your actual friends, right? So this is about. I think. I think it's going backwards. I think we, we've already gone through the surveillance economy, right? You know, we're on the other side of it, and now the last people that need to get connected are the regular people. Right. The companies already have the information. <laughs> Unfortunately, every time you show your face to your phone, they've got a biometric print of your voice. Your, they've got your fingerprints, you know, whatever they want. Right. So, so now it's just hurting us. I think like it was interesting is like, um, so you look at Roblox, Roblox has just, you know, introduced voice chat a year or two ago or whatever, but they can do it for kids under 13 because of COPA, I imagine. So now kids are becoming like second class citizens in their own world, this is supposed to be for them, right? But they can't because surveillance, it's hurting them. Roblox is fine exploiting kids, pardon me, Roblox, but um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll have kids make games for other kids and they'll take their money and it's a harsh introduction to the world of game design, probably accurate, but you know, this isn't to protect kids. This is just because we couldn't fine tune the laws enough, right? So for instance, they're also adding facial expressions on their heads, like um, like we talked about with the avatars, right? Again, not for kids because you have to use a camera to capture that information, which is not shown to anybody. It's just your avatar that smiles or looks funny. But still, we can't let them use it and now they're now we're trying to get cope up to 16 year olds i i think we lost the war on surveillance now it's just can we share with each other you know what i mean like i think in many ways that's much much safer to say hey you're my friend i will let you in you can come and see my my broadcast now there's still dangers obviously but in some ways there's so much less than just keeping it in the hands of the companies like when you're when you're yeah i guess you could you could invite the wrong person into your stream and they could cause a problem, but since you're probably behind some type of virtual puppet or avatar or you know whatever it is, you just block them and move on, right? You know you can let people in as you choose. Now to me, as an older generation, it's a little creepy. I don't broadcast my information everywhere. I might, you know where I when I sleep and where I go to other people. The companies have it already, but um I I will probably never be the target demo for you know, the next wave of stuff. So I have to think outside of what I like. And the fact is that Snap Maps and, you know, Xbox Live and Discord shows everything that you're doing. You know, if you, if you let it, it's all passive. It's all information that you have and people like to share it. So that's the way it is. It's
0: <laughs> it's so interesting to me because I'm thinking back to 100 years ago at the rise of broadcast radio, another one to many medium that was only semi-interactive at the time. And when independent broadcasters were not broadcasting, the station was just quiet. And there was a different form of gating in legacy broadcasting and media. And now we have arrived to the point at social media where highly curated, intense gating, some broadcast 24-7, others choose to remain silent. It's almost an imitation or a mirror of what we were going through a hundred years ago. The difference is the future of features on social media will take so many different forms. And this is where I think your specialty is, because you are someone who is actively designing, interacting, and playing with virtual reality, augmented reality, XR, we are in the middle of a giant paradigm shift. So can you explain the different form factors that the future of social media will take and how accessibility will be key to the future?
1: Yeah, I think that that was, we all watched Meta go through their pastel, VR only, Metaverse. Everybody just didn't like it, right? You know, we, we saw it and immediately did not enjoy the the experience. And yet it isn't completely obvious why. It is kind of cute and it, it is whatever. But I think it's really just to do with headset, to be perfectly honest. I think that, the, that any social media that's going to work and be actually social has to be accessible by many different form factors. So I think that we're not at the point where, where you can you, you can interact with people just by strapping on a big headset and sitting down in, in your office, right? It's got to be mobile, It's got to be on games. It's got to be every on your computer. It's got to be everywhere. The more accessible it is, the more people will use it. So even even if some parts of it are not accessible, some parts will be. So for instance, if you have like a like a big metaverse game sort of thing, and it's very intense and interactive, and you can put on goggles and walk around in it, you should still be able to access parts of it with your phone, right? It should still give you alerts, and you can chat and see what's going on. It should be a window into that world. The, the, the only thing about VR that's different is, is than a flat screen is the emergent. I know people will give me some... Flat for that. But basically, you can still see stuff on a flat screen like you can in VR. It doesn't have the same uh, immersion factor. And then you filter out the background and you've got AR, right? So it's all a continuum. It just it just needs to be in as many places as possible. But I can't imagine kids at school or people at work popping on big goggles. But but
2: it is interesting. So last week or two weeks ago, I, I talked at a, a global academy. The concept was about imagining a more equitable future. And so they they had to start thinking about how tech would work better. And they had no real boundaries or guardrails as to what to do four out of five groups said that the future definitely has AI and some form of specs some sort of goggles whether it's a specs whether it's an eye or whatever and the question of course that was driven by this diverse group from 25 countries was accessibility what about people with seeing impairments or hearing impairments or mobility problems or mobility issues uh, that are uh, appendage based or digit based and so the questions then come in is how do you, equity means for all you know so it's not just about this and social media in its original sense had a very good sense of how to do it until people realized, oh my God, the pictures don't make noise. And then it was up to the users to figure out how to add alt text and make sure it was there. And then when Twitter added that before it became X and and it's garbage it is today, they were using the alt space to put links in it, screwing up people's readers. So how could you imagine like the idea that in the form factors of the future, which I think young people have accepted already, they're they're aware there's going to be specs and AI. It's just, it's part of the framework that's coming. How How do you, imagine getting people to participate with accessibility when the the place also enables exploitation of those things
1: yeah I mean that's always been a push and pull right is and in some ways the simpler the medium the easier it is to make it accessible however I think AI is going to play a big part in this because I think that literally even if you're in a 3d space an AI can describe the space to you and what's happening in a way that you can process there's just a certain amount of effort that hasn't gone into it yet but I was working on a video game that was completely oral, so there was no visuals at all. So you, you would navigate by sound, like, you know, you could ping things and, and move down hallways and stuff like that. I think it's it's not really that hard to do. Well, okay, it's hard, but it's not, impo- it's not technically hard, right? It's just like a new way of communicating. So I think that there will be new innovations to help people with the new interfaces. And I think some of the technology advances will really aid in that. So I think we're going to be seeing, as a side note, AI using 3D maps as a reference more and more anyway, even just to describe regular things because it, it can use it as a memory almost. I do think that it, if the AI can describe what's going on and, and turn it from one medium into another, it could really solve a lot of those accessibility issues. Reed, I want
0: to look into your personal vision. So you highlight five features and just to review them, persistent always on, cozy and customizable, passive, selective and gated, and form factors. So thank you for outlining those. But how do you imagine, read personally, interacting with your social media in the future? What are you skeptical of? And what are you most optimistic about?
1: Well, I'm most optimistic about the idea of people not being lonely anymore. I I really think that we have the technology to connect people together. I was listening to a, a Twitch streamer, a very popular, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, unfortunately, but he was talking about what happens to another Twitch streamer, why he stopped becoming popular. And his feeling was that not just this, but it came up in that conversation where he's kind of a regular guy. And this other Twitch streamer got a big studio and got the lights and kind of, you know, he was a, he was a pro gamer and it really put a wall between him and his audience. Right. And he was saying, look, I'm just a regular guy and I'm just presenting like I really am a regular guy, a kind of messy room. You know, I'm always on. You can come talk to me and whatever. And so it's not exactly a parasocial relationship, but it's an uneven relationship. It's not an equal relationship. And I think that what I'm most positive about is breaking down that kind of I think that cult of celebrity will always be there. You'll always want to hang out with the guy who's really, really good at Fortnite or whatever it is in the in the future. But I would rather see all those people watching him connect together and have real friendships instead of parasocial friendships. Right? I think we're so close to that. There is no reason for us to be lonely right now. And so that's what I'm most optimistic about is that in the in the future, there'll be many ways, both through gating, through um, avatars, to create a safe space where you can have real Person to person connections. It's not about publishing your stuff and hoping someone hits a like button. It's about actually hanging out with real people, even if they are masked or, you know, somewhat having a, you know, a fantasy. People like that too, right? But the idea of of ending loneliness and having direct agency, you're talking person to person. It is not going to be that easy, at least for, you know, five or 10 years to imitate that. If you're talking to a bot, you'll know it. Right. When you're talking face to face. So I'm excited about the idea that all this isolation that we've been going through for the last five years is possibly about to be alleviated
2: well i i personally appreciate your optimism you're I think you're right there's a distinct break that occurred with covid and that made gen Z a, a clear line in generations that doesn't often happen you know and as a result what we're looking for is actual human connectivity and i think where social media will end up is in this optimistic space and, and to be honest and i want to last question because i want to hear your opinion on it which is do we have a choice is there we only can be optimistic right like i think that's the only option going forward knowing the way the world is going so can social media media companies that aren't working with optimism even find a place to succeed in the future?
1: Um, I would like to say no, but probably yes. (laughs) I think they're working very, very hard. They've (laughs) recognized that they have maybe unwittingly gained a massive amount of control right yeah and and mm-hmm. we need to democratize it again this has happened other times in in social media history i mean you know Usenet was once well, a pretty nice place and it got totally poisoned and wrecked and you couldn't go back to it it was done it was over it didn't ha- it didn't evolve right i think unfortunately that people could still try to keep working the algorithms and keep trying to you know massage things but it's much much harder when it's person to person so if you're relying on algorithms and feeds and low effort communication, you're really at the mercy of whoever is orchestrating that. Reed, thank you
0: so much for helping to build a better social media future and highlighting and inspiring people to create spaces for people to not feel lonely anymore. This has been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning into the Digital Void Podcast. Remember to follow us wherever podcasts are found. For full show notes, please reference the show description. We'll be back next week.